What's up, everybody? Hello, and welcome to episode number 117 of the VK Bros. With the VK Bros, Jason Alex on channel, and it's been a massive week. Everything's happening. This week, we're going to be talking about Elon Musk finalizing his Twitter deal and let taking over. In. What's that? Let that, oh, yeah, let that sink in. We're going to be talking about how there's articles now coming out in the mainstream about how the TGA didn't know about myocarditis until five months after they'd approved the vaccines. We're going to talk about Dan Andrews using the CFMEU to buy off uh, union voters in the election coming up next month. We're going to be talking about, you know, PayPal, that misinformation, $2,500 fine, just got snuck back into the terms and conditions. <laughs> All right. Did you know about that? Uh, there's a new COVID variant that's hit us from Singapore. And uh, uh, I want to talk about this, the new study about pre-pandemic death rates due to COVID. Nice. And uh, breaking news from today, Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's husband, just got attacked by a dude with a hammer. So it's all happening this week. But you want to start off with something, Alex? Well, it doesn't sound as cool now that you started <laughs> like that. But I, I wanted to say, uh, first of all, we want to thank Rumble for letting us on. Yeah. And... We've already had some great experience with Rumble. Uh, I sent out a, an email, just had some questions about how the platform worked. Boom, that night. Mm -hmm. Got a response. Customised response, not like an automated, yep. not, not an automated thing, uh, which is really nice. It's actually nice to be cared for as a, as a creator for, for their platform. Mm -hmm. So that, that's a good thing. And also one of the features that I don't know if people know, I know you posted up about it, yep. just in case you didn't see that. Rumble gives you the ability to play a video and then close your phone, like turn your screen off on your phone and it will continue playing. Playing the audio, yeah. Yeah, which only YouTube Premium does. Mm -hmm. So if you want to save, you know, if you want to cancel your YouTube membership and come over Rumble and, mm -hmm. and, and save some money, because we all know like the money is inflating like crazy at the moment. So you've got to make some cuts mm -hmm. somewhere. So that, that could be one of them. Yeah, just quickly, and I know Jason wanted to get uh, real deep into it real quick, so I'll, I'll make this very quick. Because we can now on Rumble, because we don't have to yeah. fill it with some fluff at the beginning for the YouTube, YouTube algorithm. I have started a weight loss journey. Mm -hmm. Now, everyone knows that's been listening for a while, 2020, the start of 2020, we wanted to thrive and, mm -hmm. and I started working out at the gym, which I haven't done for years, and that's all been really, really, really good. And Is that 2020 or 2021? 20. I think it started 20, 2021. Nah, 2020, when the, when the pandy hit. The pandy was in 2020, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I start, when I, so I started, no, you're right, 2021, yeah. 2021. And uh, I've got some great results, but I wanted to get some fat loss. Mm -hmm. And the trainers said the whole time, it's like, well, when you want to get serious about fat loss, you need to talk to us about how to do that. And that's because apparently food affects your fat loss. Yeah, weird that, eh? <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so weird. So I downloaded a, a calorie counting app, mm -hmm. and I've been really honest with myself and punching everything in. Mm -hmm. Everything I eat goes in, 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 the, in the app. And I ran a week's test to see what my normal week looks like. So I went mm -hmm. out for beers, I had a bottle of wine, mm -hmm. I had snacks in the afternoon, uh, I had pizza, yep. did all the normal things. And I wasn't shocked at, at the results. The results actually made sense. I effectively ate 2,800 calories a week. A day. Uh, sorry, a day, which is what my burn is. Right. So of course nothing's happened to my weight because mm -hmm. I'm literally eating up to what my, my burn rate is. Yeah. And since then... I have dropped to 2,000 calories a day, mm -hmm. whether I work out or not. So if I work out, because the app will give you, like let's say let's say you work out, will give you 200 calories, whatever. Mm -hmm. Then the app says you can eat another 200 calories. Yeah, yeah. 
which I kind of did for a couple of days until my trainer's like, no, 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 just yeah. eat 2,000. Yeah, yeah, Eat, yeah. eat 2,000, forget the other. Because I'm not 100% convinced on the accuracy of how much your workout burns either. I am. You've seen, you've seen mine. mine. Well, I mean, the, the I've got the watch connected. Like, mm. it's... it's it's sucking all the um, all the all my data. <laughs> it's gonna be doing something constructive with all that data. It's sucking off me. Yeah. And uh, I can already tell you. Oh, so not only am I at two thousand, I'm upping my protein intake, mm-hmm. upping my carb intake, and lowering my fat intake. That's okay. that's the only changes made, which is actually not much. My normal normal meals good. But it's just bolstering with higher quality proteins mm-hmm. as opposed to snacking on uh, empty carbs. Yeah. That's effectively the change I've made. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't go on the scales often, but every time I have, it's always at 105 something. Mm-hmm. You know, when it, my DEXA scans always show 105, 105.3, 105.7 radio stations. <laughs> and my scale at home matches those, those figures. So I've mm-hmm. always been in the 105s for years now, a couple mm-hmm. of years. And this morning it uh, one hundred three. Nice. And I've been doing that for ten days. Yeah. Okay. So I know the first shock, you know, and I, I've told mm. you that my stomach's on like is reacting in a very different way. Yeah, yeah. it's my going through a transition. Period. My stools are different also, uh-huh. and my dreams are weird. So yeah. Okay. Once once I get through that that side, I'll get yeah, on the yeah. other side. But I, I'm already seeing results. I feel great. Mm. Uh, I have more energy. Uh, I can see in certain places I've already... Like, I can see where the weight's gone. Yeah, yeah. And I'll get a DEXA scan. I want to do this for, like, four weeks. And I'm going to do this forever. Hmm. But I want to do a DEXA scan because I'm kind of due. But I'll do a DEXA scan after four weeks yep. of um, calorie counting mm-hmm. and see what the result is. I can see your face looks thinner already. Could be that. Could be the fact the way I shaved... I did. Uh, I did trim the sides, and I did leave a little bit of length here, which just elongates my face. So yeah, people... that's why I do the mohawk and the slightly longer yeah. chin because I got a big old round head, bowling yeah. ball head. So yeah. I need to elongate it a little bit. But, but there you go. I'll keep you posted. Yeah. Well, look, it's a good thing, and I think um, you know a lot of our audience is probably in their mid to late thirties, uh, and now's the time. If you've ever thought about you know having a proper diet, eating like an adult, uh, now's the time to do it. Eating like because it's so d- funny. Because oh, no. like, it's so true. It's so yeah. true. Because you go like, oh, like, I can't believe that adults are allowed out there. So you can leave home as an adult, and you're literally allowed to buy anything you want, and mm. you can eat anything you want. Boxer shape, no problemo. All the alcohol in the world, no problemo. Like you're allowed to just do that, unfettered. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, and I shouldn't be trusted. That's why I was a hundred. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm sure uh, the world would be a better place if they bring in more medical mandates on what you're allowed to yeah, eat. But I'm holding myself accountable. It's mm. my own fault. Yep. And now I'm addressing it. Yeah, cool. And that's that's you know the first step to. Uh, Meanwhile, I've got to scan this in. <laughs> the first step to recovery is admitting you've got a problem, right? Mm-hmm. So that's no, good, man. But um, yeah, let's let's get straight into it. Uh, let's start with Twitter. So Elon Musk on Friday officially took over Twitter. Mm-hmm. I think it was like two hours before the deadline that was set that he had to actually finalize the transaction. Yep. And he's off to a flying start. So first day on the job, he punted uh, the CEO, Parag Agarwal. Yeah, which we knew was going to happen. Which we knew was going to happen. He also punted the CFO and also their um, chief attorney, I think. Right. So the CFO, I believe, was the one who, that lady that was caught out by Project Veritas, someone who's been banned from Twitter, (laughs) uh, 
basically saying about how they only censor conservatives on, on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. And how they want to get rid of, in her, in quotation marks, shitty people. She was also the one that uh, got rid of Donald Trump when he was the president. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's come out swinging. But to me, one of the most interesting parts of the story was what I, I saw last night, where he's actually punted the majority of the software team mm. and he's brought in his own programmers from Tesla mm. to start going through the coding and the algorithms. What I said. Mm-hmm. That's what I said needed to happen. And it's going to be fascinating to see what they come up with and what he releases to the public. I think he'll release everything, but the problem is I think it's... I think it's been fixed. Mm. So I wanted this to happen. If, if, if the velocity of the deal happened like we thought it was going to happen at the initial stages, yeah. they wouldn't have cha- time to change it. Mm-hmm. Now, because it's dragged on so long, yeah, if yeah. I was Parag Agarwal... Oh, yeah, you would have done a lot of ass covering. Correct. Yeah. I, I would hope, though, that you know, in a big publicly traded company like Twitter, was at the time, because now it's going to be private... Surely there would have been controls in place on things like version numbers and all that sort of... Like, so, for example, if you're updating the algorithm, surely it's like version 2, version 3, version 4, and you have to keep records of what it is that you're updating, being a publicly listed company. I know that sounds like it's the right thing to do, and it's probably not what has actually happened, because why would you keep evidence of wrongdoing if that's what they were doing? But, um, look, it's it's, it's going to be fascinating. And... I would also say too that I don't think Twitter's smart enough pre-Elon to even realise how, like, I reckon if they did uh, get rid of some crimes, mm. their perception of what a crime is compared yeah. to what we would, we would think is probably so polar opposite mm. that they've probably left some really uh, major Glaringly things. obvious yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. And look, it's interesting that you say that too because, like, a lot of the stuff that's come out in the meantime is... You know, you've had you've had Twitter employees. Um, like, did you hear about the open letter? The dumbest thing I've ever ever. ever it's seen. literally a few people putting their hands up, going "Fire us first, Elon." Yeah, there were lines in it, so it was an open letter, but it was to Elon. And one of the lines is like, "We are, we'll, we will not be intimidated by you." Yeah. Like you're telling your new boss, your new owner. Yeah. Like now, listen here. This is how we're going to handle it. That's right. Yeah. Like no, mate, and because uh, this was in response to um, there was rumours around that he was going to fire seventy five percent of the staff, which he came out and said that's not the case. Mm. Might be seventy four and a half. Probably, but one of the things in this letter, they're all like, um, you know, we. It's not about you, it's about the product and the service we provide our customers and we need all of the staff to be able to do that. So you must commit to maintaining the yeah. staffing levels. 8,000 staff they have. Yeah, they can fire 75% of those people. 8,000 for a tech company. It's, it, and the majority it, of them don't even show up for work. And, that, yeah, yeah, that, that is a crazy thing. But um, also, they don't have the market share like anywhere near the market share of what some of these other platforms yeah. have. Like it's, it's, it's filled with dead weight. Yeah, yeah. And like there's reasons why Twitter has struggled financially for years. And it's probably because they've got 8,000 staff who like, I know that um, Twitter's environment, it's been spoken about a lot where like they wanted it to be as inclusive and as stress-free as possible. So literally the, some of their um, working conditions are like, if you don't feel like coming to work, just don't come to work. And you don't even have to do anything at home. That was a Veritas thing, wasn't it? They came yeah. out and said, like, we've just built it to a way where we have ultimate power as an, as an employee. That yeah. we, we can just say, yeah, no, we, we do what we want. And mm-hmm. I only want to work four hours. And anything more than that is assault. Yeah, yeah. And that's trickled down. Like, 
I have a friend that works like high up in HR for mining companies. Right. And she moved to this new company that had a lot younger uh, staff on board in the mm-hmm. admin team. And some of them had that attitude. Mm. Uh, you emailed me five times. That's aggressive. Wow. And um, I know I haven't done those things by the required time. Mm-hmm. You are not allowed to tell me to do that. Really? Yeah. 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 Early 20s. Wow. Yeah. It makes you wonder. It does. Like, because I don't... For the funny thing for me about Twitter, I don't like Twitter. And I think I've spoken about it on, on a platform before, but... I don't enjoy it because generally it's just tit for tat arguing about dumb stuff. Everyone's just trying to do a gotcha or a one up or just calling each other names. So not that much productive uh, chit chat seems to happen on Twitter. And I think that definitely got worse as they ramped up the censorship on conservatives because then obviously there was no balance in any of the arguments. And unfortunately for me, Twitter, like the Twitter mob, the like leftist Twitter mob, which is what it became, that sort of, there's the similarities in the human behavioural element to me of what happened with like the pro-vaxxers during like big COVID, where all of a sudden you had this one group that just felt empowered to be the biggest pricks to a minority. Yep. And you see the same thing on Twitter. You get all these leftists that feel empowered to be the biggest pricks to conservatives or right-wingers or whatever you want to call them because they were in the power position. And yeah. if you complained about someone putting on right-wing content on Twitter, they would just get their account suspended. But what's so funny that, that I can see, because I am a Twitter user, mm-hmm. and not, a, not a big one. It would be my lowest used social app. Yeah. But I don't go into the comments, but when I do, it's like, the left are now because there's no conservatives on there. They're trying to they're fighting with other lefties. Like yeah. it's like a race to see who's the most trans. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, you're only that trans. Yeah, you're yeah. a pig. You yeah. are a pig. Yeah. You know, and it, it is it is a wild, uh, like desolate. Um, it's a hellscape. It's a hellscape. It yeah. is absolutely a hellscape. What Elon has committed to doing, so he put an open letter out, and it was about making the platform fun again, mm-hmm. treating it like a town square where everyone has a voice, mm-hmm. making sure that people are on it are people. Yep. Making sure advertisers, I actually like this part, he reached out to advertisers and said, I want Twitter to be the location for advertisers, mm-hmm. but I want your ads to be content, yeah. not spam. Yep. So, so he's like, I challenge you, like we are going to be the go-to place. Yeah. But think about like where you need to shift. Yeah, you just lift your game. Yep. And you actually have to make your advertising uh, entertaining to our, um, our clients. He also said that the algorithm can work in a way to give the right users the right... Yeah, be targeted ads. Yeah, tar- the, but the correct targets. Yeah. And he said, well, like we're, in, we're going to endeavor to make that like really slick but what you can do is make your content engaging mm-hmm. and not spam and I thought that was really cool yeah yeah for sure now the let that sink in thing I don't know if you saw saw the tweet he said like my first day at Twitter let that sink in mm-hmm. and he walks into Twitter headquarters holding a literal sink mm-hmm. a kitchen sink and it was just a gag he was the only person who thought it was funny I um, thought it was funny I thought it was funny as a fellow dad that dad joke that was, yeah, it was great. And look, if anything, it was just a great icebreaker. Like he could have oh, gone yeah. in with a Grim Reapers uh, uh, outfit on, but yeah. he just went like 
he went in light. He sat at the cafe and spoke to people for like an hour. And, yeah. and it's funny because everyone was bagging him out. Like a lot of the a lot of the people on Twitter were saying that that was really heated, and all these people demanded. All the photos I've seen, you look in the crowd, everyone's smiling. Like they they're hmm. energized by what he has to say. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the thing too is. Like, there's a lot of rhetoric that came out from the Twitter users who were so scared of him coming onto, the, like, taking control of the platform because they were like, you're just going to make it okay for hate speech and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, the thing that everyone needs to understand, there are laws in place for this stuff yeah. already. There are slander laws, abuse laws, assault laws. Like, there are already laws in each different country that has, that can use Twitter that govern these things. Yeah. You don't need additional laws on on Twitter itself. And one of the things that I really rate about Rumble, when I was going through the Rumble um, content uh, terms and conditions, they literally say, uh, there is a chance you'll come across content that you don't like or find inappropriate yeah, on yeah, Rumble, yeah. and you take the risk that you might come across that content when you're, while you're on here. Yeah. And it's like, I don't understand how... I, I feel like maybe it is just one of those echo chamber issues where... You get to be a certain way so long where for a, for some reason you feel like it's okay to punch down at a minority group and then as soon as it's like maybe the tables are evened out, not even turned, they're just evened out, now all of a sudden you, you're like claiming you're going to be the victim. I, I, don't, even don't, wanna, I don't even want to argue the point because I think it's... it's I mean, there's, there's, it's dumb. It's, it's so dumb. It's yeah. so... Yeah. We either all talk... Or none of us talk. Yeah. That's, yes. It's that's that simple. The long and the short of it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Trey Parker Matt Stone. Joke about everything, or mm-hmm. joke about nothing. Yep. There's nothing in between. For sure. So that that's 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 where that is. Now, I the only concern I have is this will be a real test for Elon to get a to get his money back. He's paid fifty five billion dollars for it. Um, this will be the first business that he has that's not paid for by government credits. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Well, you, how, know, how? you don't think the government might come to him and offer him some money if they do certain things around the midterm elections in America? I'm sure that's probably why the deal was done now. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that yeah, that could be a thing too. But yeah, um, it won't be enough to get. They won't be getting billies from um from government agencies. What if he puts a Ukraine flag in his profile bio? Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, <laughs> we'll we'll keep an eye on it. Yeah. Um, it's going to be hard to value the now that it's private. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the data's not going to be as easy. Like At least before you can look at a market cap and know what a business is worth, mm-hmm. or at least the perception of the value is worth. It's going to be a lot harder now. But you know, if he can just get the user base up, get the, um, if he can get the user base up and if he can get more advertisers in and he can tweak the algorithm to make it a fun place, that's all he needs to do. For sure. Do you know what I found like... The thing about the, like, let that sink in moment, him walking through with a sink, this guy just spent, well, it was 44 billion US, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. 54 billion Aussie? Yeah. Roughly? So he spent 44 billion US dollars, and he's just walking through like it ain't no thing. Well, it ain't. In, into a company which hates him. Yeah. <laughs> like... He's he's just built different. Elon is built different. I got a lot of respect for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have heaps of respect for him too. But this this will be the real. This will cement 
how good he is. If he can make this work, mm. then he is one of the goats. Yeah, yeah, because it's a big test. You're coming into an, uh, a new industry that all, the majority of the staff are against you, the majority of the user base is against you, and you're literally taking it private, so you've got no other... Like, it's all on you. It's literally... He gets to make all the decisions. So yeah. the the success or failure of Twitter is all on Elon now. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Good riddance, Parag Agarwal. Yeah, what a prick. Yeah. Just a fucking loser. Anyway. Uh, oh, meanwhile, sorry, Jack Dorsey. Uh, this is kind of tied to it. Jack Dorsey, mm. who was the creator of Twitter. Yeah. And look, he's kind of to blame. He was the one... Wow. I don't know. I think there was a board decision to put Parag in, in charge. Yeah. Uh, Jack and Parag's outlook on the world is completely different, so mm. that's surprising to me. So maybe it was a board decision. Yeah. But he uh, is big on... Uh, uh, Jack Dorsey has a lot of skin in the crypto game. Yep. And he owns Cash App. Right. Cash App through the week now uh, enabled Bitcoin Lightning payments. Right. Which is what the reason why crypto's had a pump, like a ten percent pump, in the last couple of days, mm-hmm. and that all happened at the same time. I don't know, like, I don't know, I don't know. But you know, Twitter could look at making like uh, uh, Elon's a crypto guy. Mm-hmm. If if uh, like has Jack and Elon been talking about this? They set up that that program. If Cash App could automatic, like if you could, if you could have like a Twitter marketplace that was like Facebook marketplace, but you could. Uh, pay for stuff yep. in uh, crypto. Mm-hmm. Look out! And if anyone knows how uh, anything about payment apps, it's Elon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, did you notice that Doge had a like twenty percent pump once it once the yep yep. Um, speaking of it, I'm just going to segue to it briefly because it's not really a big story. But like I was saying before, so PayPal. So Elon created PayPal. That was his baby, right? Well, he was involved. He was in involved in it. Up, up for debate. Apparently, Elon hasn't created anything. He just takes everyone else's ideas to market. Fucking whatever. But he was involved. Wrong. He was involved in yeah. the creation of PayPal. So we spoke, I think, last week or maybe the week before about how how PayPal had their new two and a half thousand dollar fine for anyone found to be spreading misinformation policy. Yeah. And then, it, like the day after, for after all the pushback, PayPal was like, "Oh, it was put up in error." Yeah, it's, it's still up. So if you go on PayPal Australia's terms and conditions, it's still in there. Wow. So, so like they said that they did this retraction, it's literally still there. So I saw this on Twitter a couple so of days ago. what you're saying is that their, their statement was misinformation. Uh, well, I mean, it was... Have al- they charged themselves two and a half It was already misinformation because the fact that they said it was put up in error was a lie. Yeah. Clearly it was a lie. None of that stuff... So they had to pay two and a half grand. Yeah, it's chump change, um, but no, it's still up there. So you know, this is something publicly listed. This is definitely something to keep keep your eye on because uh, I see this stuff a lot now that I'm so much more hyper sensitive to it. But you'll often see either companies or politicians make an announcement and then go and do the complete opposite of what it was they said. Mm. So the announcement gets all the press. It's the Donald Trump effect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they get all the press. They get the goodwill that goes with the announcement and then they just go and do the complete opposite in the background. But most people stop paying attention after they've made the initial announcement. So, yeah, it's, this is fascinating to me. It's literally still in there now. Stock price done nothing. Yeah, because I don't know how many people really know about it. I only caught this yesterday on Twitter 
because um, the Hodge twins, some conservatives from America, were like, oh, it's still in there. Wow. And then Discernible covered it in Australia as well because he went and looked it up like literally yesterday and has screenshots of the policy from yesterday. And then I looked it up too to, to clap, uh, corroborate it myself and it's still in there. It is great. I will have to shut my account down. I was going, yeah, I was going to, but, to, and then when they retract, I'm like, oh, okay, there's no point. And I very rarely use it, but yeah, I'll... They just need to feel. They need to feel the pain because this will this will continue to happen with many many different companies until they feel the pain financially. It's a look at Netflix. Netflix is a good example. All the woke content that they put on Netflix, and then all of a sudden the subscriber base started dropping at a rate of knots. And then they the CEO literally comes out and goes, "Ah, we're going in a different content direction." And if you don't like it, fuck off. Yeah. Because you've got to affect the bottom line. So yeah. if you don't want to see this stuff, and if this goes for literally any business, vote with your feet, stop spending money there, stop using their services, and force the change that you need. I'm loving all this stuff, though, because every one of these financial things, every time a bank gets involved, every time a government gets involved and mm-hmm. moves money, it's just pushing the case forward for crypto even yeah. more. Decentralized systems. Loving it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's move on because we've got heaps to cover. Should we talk about Dan Andrews? Yeah. So Victoria's uh, state election coming up next month, getting very close. I think it's the 26th of November or something like that. Anyway, uh, a lot of chatter has come around this week about the CFMEU, which is the construction, forestry, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the big union. The big, big construction big union, union. With, um, is it John Setka? Setka, yeah. Yeah, as, as the head. Uh, they've been going out doing presentations at various building sites, forcing people to sit through, where they're literally buying votes. Not buying. Well, kind of. Labor's kind of buying votes because Labor is promising to do billions and billions of dollars worth of projects. I would argue that that's what all political parties do. Yeah, but what I, the, I disagree. The, the when it comes to the to unions, me, I no, completely disagree. No, so, so the way I perceive the story... Mm-hmm is there is a direction that's gone down to the CFMEU to grab all their members mm. and collect, like, preach to them, vote, we have to vote for Labor, yeah. otherwise all the infrastructure jobs are going to go. We yeah. have to vote for Labor. Yeah. Vote, don't, we all hate Dan Andrews, he's a yeah. dickhead. You're not voting for Dan. You're not voting for Dan, you're voting for Labor, you're voting for your job. Yeah. That, that's the big thing. Because yeah. I, I would argue that every, every single campaign has been like, Vote us in, and we'll do this, and we'll do this, and we'll pump yeah. money to this, and we'll pump money to this. But it's not, it's not as in, like we, I've covered this before on the show. It's not as insidious as it is with the connections between labor governments and the and the unions, because it's it's just this revolving door of labor government uh, overspends taxpayer dollars on infrastructure projects, which can only be um, given to union construction companies or construction workers. So then they get all get plenty of money. No different to liberals, uh, liberals' relationship with big business doing the same. Yeah, I'll be, yeah, same thing. yeah, of course. But that's what I'm saying. Like the the union connection, because the the difference between big business, big business will pay lobbying money, but the union, it's like you've got members' fees, which then get, cannot get channeled like a percentage of it goes straight from the union yeah, true, true, back true. to the labor party. So it's literally just a revolving circle of money. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's very insidious. But yeah, essentially the message has gone out this week and there's a whole bunch of people um, corroborating it. Uh, Discernible's done a really good job again of tracking all the stuff. He's had heaps of messages going, yep, my my husband works at a a construction firm. They had the union reps come out. They said, literally, I know Dan's a prick, but we're not voting for Dan. You've got to vote for your job. job." 
uh, and touting like the suburban rail link, seventy billion dollars has been committed for that. Yeah. Like I think I was all saying, all these hospitals, all these, um, yep. uh, like a school or something, and yeah, look, I, it wasn't as triggering to me as what a lot of people. I think they do have a vested interest in it. Therefore, you want to get a return, and that's that's what's going to happen. I don't think there's anything you can do to change it. You just need to understand that there is a there is a link there. Mm-hmm. It would just be a shame to forget everything that has happened mm. over the last two or three years and what he's done to the people there. It'd be a real shame to forget just so that you can build a couple tunnels. You know. Yeah, but like the other thing too, which is why I guess it's concerning. Number one. I reckon he's going to get back in. I think there is enough people down there, like between the unions and people who are literally brainwashed. I think he'll get back Maybe. in. Oh, and the fact that he's allowed unlimited. I've seen nothing else from um, Ian Cook. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He's probably run out of money. Yeah. But again, remember, union you're, fees yeah, are right. exempt from the uh, donation laws. Yeah. So I think he's going to get back in. The terrifying thing is, and this is what, again, no one's talking about COVID at the moment, right? Because you don't talk about how bad things were in Victoria during COVID. The fact of the matter is those pandemic declaration laws are still in place. So as soon as he gets voted back in, the second day after, he can literally just go, oh, what? COVID's still a thing? It's a pandemic again. He can declare it whenever he wants to because that's who the power rests with. It's him, solely him or, or whoever's the premier at the time. Yeah can just declare a pandemic whenever they want to. So, look, I, I have real concerns that he's going to get back in. Got to vote him out, guys. You have to. If you're down in, if you're down in, in Victoria... And look, we're not telling you who to vote for. We just want to remind you if you, you, if you encourage that behaviour, it's only going to get worse. It's not going to get better. Yeah, like the most locked-down uh, state or at least Melbourne city in the world... The worst COVID outcomes in Australia, as far as hospitalizations and deaths, uh, the I think they're the highest uh, excess death too. Yep. By state, I think. Yep. Uh, the worst hospital and ambulance system still currently in Australia, and not forgetting the fact that Dan Andrews was the health minister before he was the premier, so yeah. he's literally been in charge of the health system for like twelve years, and has never fixed it. So the worst hospital and ambulance system, like there was a story up on Discernible yesterday of someone who had a sick baby who the, the doctors still refuse to see anyone down there if they've got COVID-like symptoms. So this baby had like a slight cough. They made them wait in the car. Then the doctor came out and saw them in the car. It's raining. Yeah. Like apparently, you know, checked over fully this baby in a car park. Like, um, and then with all this spending, like we're talking about all the infrastructure stuff, they have the worst debt in the country as well, by far. I'm pretty sure um, Victoria's debt is the same as Queensland, New South Wales and Tasmania all combined. Mm. So it doesn't get better. <laughs> like if, you just, if you just keep voting him in, it doesn't get better. Where is the money supposed to come from to do all these infrastructure projects, to, fin- to, like, to fix the healthcare system, which... He's clearly shown no interest in fixing before. You'd remember uh, early on in the pandemic, promised 4,000... Um, <laughs> no, he didn't. Yeah, yeah he, he did. He, he, he said it right in that same pulpit. <laughs> uh, what, what's, what are the beds called? Um, emergency beds? Not emergency. The um, 
intensive care beds. Yeah. So made a made an announcement right near the beginning of the pandemic, promising billions of dollars for four thousand intensive care beds. The money's been spent, and those beds were never delivered. Like. There are massive problems down there, and it's not just us going where where anti-vaxxers. Therefore, Dan Andrews is is the devil because of those sides of things. It's if you look at it from the whole, that guy, like I've said before, he's a gangster. He's literally been running that state to suit himself and profiteer for for almost a decade. Well, actually, it's been a decade now. I think. Yeah. He's Australia's longest-running premier. Melbourne's gone from the one of the most popular and livable cities on the planet to an absolute shell of its former self. They're talking about the amount of businesses which will never reopen in the CBD. And I've, I've just been down there. They, yeah. It's it's crazy how many places are empty. Yeah. Middle of the city. We say middle of the city. Yeah. And the people that were left are not the same. No. Sh- they, it, it's a But that's world. what concerns me. Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. Everyone's heard of that. Yeah. I, I just... Unfortunately, when people are scared and downtrodden, they tend to lean towards more authoritarian leaders. And I, I just feel like he's got that place on lockdown. Mm. Like he's got the union support. He's got the shell-shocked people down there who are scared. Look, Matthew Guy, he's not a strong leader. You, you don't see anything about him in the news yeah. or anything like that. So he's got an insipid, at best, opponent. Uh, and he he's... Showing no real willingness to, you know, he doesn't really want to fix anything. His 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 plan to fix anything is literally just to promise to hand out more money as long yeah. as he gets votes. Like it's it's craziness. Yeah, it'd be a real shame. It's gonna be a real shame. I feel like it's gonna happen, mm. and then maybe the day after he might even declare another pandemic. Speaking of which, have you heard about the new COVID variant? No, I have not. So I only called this real briefly because, again, no one's really talking about it. Apparently, we have just received... Is that because no one gives a fuck? Well, I think... Again, Let's see if it's trending on Twitter. The cynic in me uh, says that the only reason why we're getting any reporting of this at all is because the fourth or fifth booster uptake has been so low and they're still trying to sell jabs. Uh, apparently, there's this new XBB variant, which has arrived from Singapore. And in the space of a week or two, has gone from being like 5% of our cases to about 50% of our cases. Right. And uh, the article that I read was talking about, it was on uh, 9msn.com, uh, was talking about how it's a nightmare variant because it's got immune escape. So apparently it gets around vaccines and natural immunity, but the new bivalent booster seems to be offering some protection from it. How many mice did they check? Well, this one's still on the eight. Oh, that got worse too, that story. Hold on, let's stay on this and we'll go back to that. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, so A, who gives a fuck? Yep. Uh, we all know, and it, it, it's we've said it every time, every new one that comes out is less deadly, yep. so who gives a shit? Yeah. Omicron's nothing. Yeah. The next one's going to be nothing. We want it to, oh, new, new variant? We, we should be, yay, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, we right? should be like, sweet, that's yeah. going to evolve now, itself into nothing. Now, once they attach that that version to like the deadly the deadly yeah. version in, in America. Yeah. You know, maybe it's something to worry about. But um, if did we talk about that? Yeah, yeah. If you're getting if you're getting a vaccine, like if you're getting a vaccine to protect like you've just been sold the Yeah. I've got I've got something to sell you. <laughs> <laughs> just give me money, I'll send it to you. Yeah. Autobros.com <laughs> Yeah. Um yeah, it's look. It it's just it's the same old shit. It's the same old story. And well, that that fits in with what I want to talk about, which was the mm-hmm. study that came out of 
some uh, some research. Two actually two countries. I think Thailand and I've forgotten the other one. Mm-hmm. Went back and reanalyzed all the original COVID death data. Right. Prior to the start of the vaccine rollout. Okay. Oz UK. So UK modelling, and you'll be able to tell me if this is right. The UK model said that 0.9% of people would die Mm -hmm. in total. Right, so 1% of the population was going to die because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Okay, that and all the... So so that was another 0.9% and then all the... Actions was the 0.9% a um, infection to death ratio, or they were just talking about the population as a whole? Inf- well, how you marketed it. Well, I mean, I guess you could say everyone's going to get it anyway, but no, no, well, they I think they that's the problem. It was the number was case to death mm-hmm. or infection to death, or vice versa. Yeah, but the way it was marketed to us is, is that. Like, the media told us that 1% of the people were going to die really, yeah. if we did nothing about it. It turns out that in the worst age cohort, that was 10 times less. The reality was 10 times less. Yeah. 0.09% mm-hmm. death rate. In the younger, it was 100 times less. Yeah. And every decision was made off that modelling data. Mm-hmm. We have said it here. The modelling data was wildly inaccurate yeah wildly 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 inaccurate yet the policies were in place that were put in place with the the data that was from that yeah which is crazy and, and now we know it is it is they've gone back to analyze and said well hold on you, you you got that way wrong and now no one can argue that it's because of the vaccine this was before the vaccine came out yeah that this data was pre-vaccine Release. So now that we're on Rumble and we can actually go full conspiracy theorist about this stuff, I'll ask you the question. Do you think that that was on purpose? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it appears that they wildly over-exaggerated the um, COVID death rates and they wildly under-exaggerated the adverse effects of the vaccine. I don't think the adverse effects were even considered. I don't think it mattered. I don't think there was any look towards it. They didn't need to because they knew that the need, the, the, the fear around the potential death mm-hmm. was so high that if they had any benefit whatsoever, if they could trim 10% off that off that, that top line, yeah. then it's worth it. I don't think they ever looked. Yeah. I mean, and that falls into what like what the data shows. No there was no safety markers. Safety markers were not checked mm. in any trial data. None. Yeah. None. We know that now. We didn't know that before. Safe and effective kept kept getting told. Never looked. Speaking of which, that does segue back to that point I was making before about the bivalent boosters. The reason why I said that story got worse. So, the, like, so Alex is literally saying they did no no real safety checking on these vaccines mm. before they even launched them at the beginning. Now they're about to launch a bivalent booster that in the in the news is saying that it covers the original strain of BA five. It's BA one, the one yeah. that they've released is only BA one. Which now I've got XBB anyway. So it's yeah. not even Omicron anymore. But not only did they only test those on eight mice, but... Mices. Mouses. Mouses, sorry. Mouses. But it was over a two-week period. And literally the day at the end of the period was when the paperwork was lodged with the FDA. Yeah. So two weeks, all they tested was whether or not those mouses had an antibody response. 
And then on like two weeks on the dot on the day they put the paperwork in front of the FDA and the FDA approved it. Which is what's happened the whole time. All mm-hmm. they looked for was an immune response. Yeah. Or antibody level. Antibody response, yeah, yeah. Antibody but not response. even memory T cells or B cells either. Yeah. But that's why it doesn't work. So so now the story that's come out of Australia this week completely reflects one of the warnings we said from right at the beginning of the rollout. So there's a news story, that's, a news article that's come out saying that the TGA didn't know about myocard- like increased risk of myocarditis until five months after the vaccine rollout. Mm. Now, for a start, why didn't they cancel it? They cancel the rollout five months after the rollout if they knew that this data was there, right? Like if they saw a safety signal, why did they gaslight the whole population and pretend the safety signal wasn't there? I think it's something worse than but carry on. Yep, number, number one. Number two, you guys, if you're long-time viewers, you might remember that when I did a big deep dive on the approval process of these vaccines in Australia, because remember, America approved them first under emergency use authorizations, whereas Australia don't have an emergency use yeah. authorization pathway. So we provisionally approved them under the provisional approval pathway. Yeah, using the best available Based data. Based off the best available data. So the entire time, we've just been fed bullshit. Excuse me. Excuse yeah. me. Um, they didn't know about myocarditis. It's written on the box. Now, remember when the rollout first came out and the um, packet inserts were blank? No, I don't remember that. Stinger? No, but I just know I got, when my friend got vaccinated, I asked yeah. him to send me the info. And yeah. I was on it. So early on in the rollout, the packet inserts were blank. Yeah. Well, this wasn't five months in. This would have been two months in. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Oh, no, maybe not, because, yeah, they, they got it to the oldies first, and he's a younger guy, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, if he's a younger guy, he would but have we knew because like months into it. It was, um, what's his name? What's it, uh, who's, who's been the guy that's been at the, the front of the site? Science? Peter McCullough. Peter McCullough, he said it, like, day one. Mm. He was, like, inflamed, uh, inflammation of the heart, mm-hmm. myocarditis, prokarditis, yep. breaking cell, breaking through cell barriers, yep. like, he knew all about it, he knew about it going throughout the whole body. Yep. Uh, and, and remember, like, think back, remember back to the start of the rollout. Everyone was told it got injected into your shoulder muscle and stayed there. Yeah. So even just the fact that it didn't stay there should have been a massive alarm bell. Yeah. And any reasonable medical establishment or organization would have gone, stop. Yeah. But they kept going. It's, it's insidious. Yeah. No one's going to get popped for it. Uh, which is a shame, but it, it, that's the that's the reality. Uh, it would be nice if someone was held to account. I think uh, some people are jumping ship now. Yeah, well, Brad Hazard. Brad Hazard. Uh, so New South Wales Health Minister just announced his resignation. Uh, funny that he's announcing his resignation just as all of the vaccine adverse event data is starting to come to the forefront of the news cycle. Um, if any of you remember him, he was probably one of the most aggressively, like aggressive drug pushers during the pandemic. Yep. Uh, one of the most aggressive authoritarian lockdown uh, artists. You might remember there was a bit of a scandal with him and Dr. Kerry Chant in New South Wales where they only, when they did lockdowns and only locked down the poor uh, cities, yeah. like the Eastern Seaboard was all still open and it was yeah. only the Western Even though COVID cases were higher. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, I also saw, I was telling you about this earlier today, Mark Latham quizzing Brad Hazard in a Senate estimates meeting yesterday, where he was saying, because 
there was that time when there was a whole bunch of close contacts at Parliament House. Brad Hazard was one of them. And then like 24 hours later, he got changed to a casual contact. So he only had to isolate for one day instead of the two weeks. It was two weeks was mandatory yeah. at the time. And the apparently the doctor that uh, assessed Brad Hazard, she only did him. She didn't do any other assessments. And so Latham was like quizzing him going... You know, how did that come about? Who appointed her? Who did? And him and Kerry Chan were both like, oh, I, I don't recall. I, so stuff's starting to come out. Um, you were saying before something that you were speaking to was still a little bit disheartened about, like, oh, nothing's happening with COVID. Mm-hmm. And there's so much stuff coming out. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I No. Because I knew from the get-go, using the uh, uh, war in Iraq, mm. that's been my... That's, that's been my um, comparative set and I know that it took five years for that information to come out that that was all based on a lot the weapons mass destruction didn't exist Uh, so I I used that same model and I tried to think back of how radicalised we were which is Mm -hmm. we we, we were were back then and we are or we were uh, at the start of the pandemic Mm -hmm. so I've used that model and it's pretty much held up I'd like to think that by the year five mark Mm. the media will have decided who they're going to blame for it and they're going to hammer them Nothing's really going to come of it, just like Tony Blair gets to mince around telling people how to uh, lock people down for COVID. Mm. And he was the number one war criminal out of all this. He is the one that dragged us all into that war. Yeah. Found guilty of that too, by the way, but... Yeah, just doesn't seem to matter. Still allowed allowed to do um, talking um, junkets around the world. Mm -hmm. So, but like the fact that news.com, I've seen some Channel 9 stuff. Mm -hmm. They're all starting to shift now. The, the major concerning thing for me is that, like we're saying since right at the beginning of the rollout, we have no idea what the long-term effects of this might be. Mm. And I was listening to uh, Brett Weinstein on um, Unheard a couple of days ago with Freddie Sayers. Great. I love the way that Freddie Sayers interviews people. He's great. He's, He's really, really good. Uh, and... They were literally talking about the fact that no one knows what the long-term effects of this might be. So it literally might be a case of in 40 to 50 years' time, we might then have the data set that tells us whether or not we got this right or we got this horrifically wrong. But you won't really know until then. Yeah, and um, it's... <sighs> this is the, it's the thalidomide scandal all over again. Yeah, we, it, like, it's we not like this, this is new. No, we said this from right at the start. Like, and if, if any of you aren't familiar with the thalidomide scandal, thalidomide was a drug that doctors prescribed to pregnant women, I think it was to help with morning sickness and stuff like that. They said it was perfectly safe, and then all of a sudden, all of these babies were born with horrendous birth defects. Yep. And then until it was far too late, then they're like, oh yeah, this thing isn't safe anymore. So they stopped prescribing it. and it, But the damage had already been done. Mm. And now with this, like, look, as bad as it to go, okay, well, thalidomide was just pregnant women and it was those babies and, mm. you know, the, the damage was concentrated to them. This could, if it, if it does have negative flow-on effects, it's astronomical, the damage that their hubris has done. One thing our scientists do know, the scientists that are currently looking mm-hmm. and assessing and putting out papers is that it appears like if you stop that end, like get letting that spike protein in your body mm-hmm. you can work on recovering from it yeah. now there are there is some permanent damage out there like scar tissue on the 
on the, on heart, the heart is yep. really bad. So just so you guys are aware, the heart muscle cannot repair itself. Mm. It has no repair function. So that's why even when they when they say, oh, myocarditis, like it's only minor and transitory and blah, blah, blah. If you get any scarring on your heart at all, it might wipe five years off your life, 10 years. Yeah. Depending on how severe the scarring is, 25, it, it, you know, it, it could be a real, real big deal real, real soon. There's no such thing as just minor myocarditis. It's, it's a huge issue. And the fact that that became normalized, like if you... Go and look at the death statistics, uh, uh, statistics for COVID. The average age of death now for the pandemic in Australia is 79 years old. Yeah. It's almost life expectancy. Yeah, ours is 85, isn't it? 85 is the life. I think it's 82 for men now. Okay. And maybe 85 for women. Yeah. But average age of death, 79 years old. But the damage that we're doing to the with the vaccines is primarily to the young people. And excess death. Look at excess... Australia's number is 16% yep. up on excess death. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some European countries up 25 and 30%. Yep. Then there's some countries like Sweden that didn't do lockdowns, didn't force vaccinations, and they're minus 5%. Mm. Go figure. Yeah. Go yeah. figure. What a weird coincidence. Yeah. But now, look, it's, it's, it's terrifying to think where this could end up going. But I just... The le- there is a lesson, though. Like the, the but lesson- do we learn these lessons? Some do, and I don't expect everyone to. Yeah. But I expect if you're here, if you're listening to our show on Rumble, welcome, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening. Or if you're listening on, like, on, share, the, subscribe. on the audio platforms, thank you. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we appreciate that as well. If you're listening, then you know that if you see something, peel the layer back. Yeah. Like, think, think of everything that comes across your desk, across your eyes, across your screen, your device. Mm-hmm. Here's an onion, mm-hmm. right? Peel the layer back of the onion to see if it's rotten or not. Just look. Ask a couple more questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Elon actually had a tweet about this uh, a couple of days ago, if I can find his exact wording here. Blah, blah. <laughs> he put a post up six hours ago. Comedy is now legal on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. Here we go. Twitter will be forming a content moderation council with widely diverse viewpoints. No major content decisions or account reinstatements will happen before that council convenes. Fair enough. Where was his tweet? Uh, 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 um. He actually looks. Oh, here we go. Think about who might have decided the current thing before accepting it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I don't even want to go that far because that that almost like lays blame. Don't lay blame. Like, look at yourself. Like, just uh, take personal responsibility for any decisions that you're going to make in your own life and what you would do. The like, put the amount of effort that you see fit to make decisions in your own life. Yeah, but it's, it also comes down to like, if you find that an external influencer is creating an emotional reaction in you and then asking for a call to action, those are the things we've got to peel back the layers of the onion. Yeah, for sure. Because that's the play. Yep. Get, get you emotional, get you invested in it, and then say, hey, we need you to do this thing to, to help. Yeah. Because good people typically will go ahead with that. Yeah, yeah. So that's when you need to peel back the onion. And like Elon was saying, someone has created these things. So the next big thing that you might be 100% all in on Maybe something that's been created by someone for their for their benefit, not yours. It kind of fits in with the climate alarmism because mm-hmm. obviously a lot of the uh, 
protesters are getting um, a lot of limelight now. Mm-hmm. Did you see them on PVD when you spoke to them on PVD? Yeah, yeah. Now I really like that, and and so if you haven't seen a PVD podcast, a great podcast. Yeah, yeah, he's um, good too. He's a very good interview. He's very balanced. He's, uh, I mean, I'd say he's more red pill than he is blue pill. Mm-hmm. He's a business guy, he's a numbers guy, he's an insurance guy. Yeah, he's also, he's guy. also got Adam on there, who's more probably blue pill and red yep. pill. So yep. he's got balance on, on the pod. But they got the two girls that threw the soup on... Van Gogh. Van, the Van Gogh mm-hmm. um, piece. And it was nice of him, and he gave them a really fair platform, mm-hmm. right? Unleashing Katie on was harsh, but... Yeah. Um, and I want to say this. Both parties are right. She has every right to feel threatened mm-hmm. by emissions and that people, some people have died from heat exhaustion and some mm. people have died from... She is right. She should do things about that. Yeah. But I would think a more logical and rational way to handle that is to actually t- take a step out and have a complete and total understanding of how all of those facets fit together mm. and do something constructive in it. For example, go get a job in renewable energy. Yeah. Go and do a science thesis on... Like, like create the solution. Don't whinge about the but problem. But see, this is the problem. They, they had irrational fear of the effects of climate change to the point where they don't they feel like they're going to die in five years time. And and look, I, I've been around long enough to know that every five years we're so we have have supposed to have died. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but that's that's the problem. No one who has that sort of fear thinks five years is going to be enough for them individually to go and do something which is a step towards solving the problem. Yeah. That's why none of the problems ever get solved. Yeah. Because the people who care about it in quotation marks the most other ones who are so scared, they think the time frame's so short that there's nothing that they can do to fix yep. the actual issue. Where And then they scream at the people with the money who are like, what are you guys going to do to fix it? And all the people with the money, meanwhile, are like, uh, what are we doing? We're making money out of it because there is no fucking problem. <laughs> but if we keep tricking you idiots into thinking there is, we're going to make bank. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they wanted something... What they wanted was not insane. They just wanted no new coal licences. But what? But, but even that. So so what, but, what is well, interesting let, about? Well, let, let me go there first before you before right you correct me on it. Yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah. Right. Sweden does that too. Yeah. Sweden, they don't, they don't um, use their own coal. Yeah. <laughs> right. They don't, they don't have coal. They have uh, uh, oil. Natural gas. Oil. Okay. In in the ocean. Yep. They sell it, and yeah. selling it pays for their their green stuff. Mm-hmm. So all you've done is diverted your your emissions overseas. To somewhere else. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, one, but once you have a full understanding, like the smart play, I don't know, consider me a heartless economic prick, mm-hmm. but I think put your resource into the thing that's going to get you the best yield. Mm-hmm. The best yield is finding a solution for the problem as opposed to um, screaming out. And, and the most constructive thing you can do right now is have a total and in-depth understanding of the thing it is that you're trying to fight. Yeah, but the key is is when you feel that emotional response in yourself, you've got to take a step back yeah. because when you are hyped up on emotion, you can't make a rational decision. So you don't even you don't even know where to look. You just get so flustered and you're like, oh, oh, I need to fix this thing. I need to fix this thing. I need I need to I need to do the most extreme action I can to fix yeah. this. But if you actually take a step back, like 
we're old enough now, we said it a million times. When we grew up, it was called global warming. And then nothing warmed in the last 15 years. It stopped, it plateaued. So even though they changed it to climate change, that was the terminology, they're still talking about having to keep the world to like a 1.5 degree maximum. Otherwise, we're going to have irreversible climate change. Like that's the the catastrophization of this whole thing. So don't you find it interesting how it was global warming before, then it stopped warming, so they changed the terminology to climate change, and yet the focus is still on warming of the planet. But also think about how crazy the war is. The war is on change. That's right. Just like when the war was on terror. Yeah, exactly. What's terror? What's change? Yeah. Do you know what these things are? These are... um, What's the term for it? These are existential threats that only the government can fix for you. And that's the problem with it. Like, we've said this before, just to clarify, when it comes to renewable energies, we're on board. We want renewables. It makes no fucking sense not to invest in renewable energies. But it also makes no sense to completely throw out old technologies that you want to transition from over time to just try to barrel through these renewables that aren't ready. And you've seen the results of that in Europe. If anyone is paying attention to Europe now, they're fucked because they tried to go too hard. And now what's Germany doing? They're building more coal-fired power stations because they have to. Because at the end of the day... I can tell you the story. I was in Germany in Mm -hmm. 2008. Right. And I was on a train and I was looking. Look at all the solar panels here. Mm -hmm. And the guy sitting across from me, he goes, where are you from? He said, Australia. And he goes, I'm an engineer that works in the solar field. I was based in Sydney, Australia for years and years. Mm -hmm. And your government decided that they're not going to do it and you're just going to open more coal plants. So I came back to Germany. Now Germany has the highest amount of uh, solar uh, in the world. Mm -hmm. That was in 2008. Look at them now. Yeah. Their costs have gone up three times. Mm -hmm. They do not generate enough. Their, Their supply... Their renewal su- supply is almost non-existent, mm-hmm. and it was it was uh, uh, pumped uh, natural gas from Russia. Russian natural yep. gas was pumped into Germany to mm-hmm. to fix it. It ain't the answer. No, and it is a mass. It is a, an amazing supplement, but it's not the answer. Yeah. Like, even just consider the insanity of going. Yeah, rooftop. Like uh, I spoke about the other week, Stephen Miles put a Facebook post up going. Queensland now has the highest amount of rooftop solar in the world. It's like, cool, what are our energy prices? Yeah. They're through the fucking roof, mate. Yeah. So don't you don't you find it interesting how there's all this push towards renewable energy sources, but none of it's talking about storage. None of it's talking about like large-scale battery packs for suburbs. Well, or... I don't cop that either. What do you mean? Storage is whack. You think storage is whack? Yeah. Okay, but just with like solar, you can't generate it during night time. No, use it. Yeah, yeah. So, so in an ideal world, you yeah. s- you'd use all the solar. All yeah. the solar during the day, you'd use it all. You'd use it all, you'd use it all, and you'd have a base load from somewhere else. The mm-hmm. problem with the batteries is that it takes three times as much energy to store in a battery to get one out. Yeah. So you've got to put three megawatts in to get one out. Mm-hmm. Um, where, so so you... the, best, the best way would be able to distribute... So in an ideal world... My house would generate, and when I'm not using it, it goes to you across the road and you use it. But And that does happen, but the power company gets to charge the person across the road for the power that you generate. Yeah, and if that's the case, that's the case. I'm, I'm okay with that because they build transmission lines. I don't mind. 
that that the, it would be nice. It, it, I mean, uh, there is a crypto company called Power Ledger based in mm-hmm. Perth. They they have a a blockchain based digital um, smart contract market mm-hmm. that, for for energy. Yeah. And uh, they're still around, which is nice because mm-hmm. I, I invested in them in like 2016 or 2017, wow. um, and they're, they're still going. So I, I haven't had a close look. I should I should have a closer look yeah, to yeah. see what they're doing. But yeah. but really, I mean, I mean, nuclear is the answer. And the fact that's the elephant in the room. Yeah. The fact that nobody, at least in Australia, is talking about it. And this is what scares me the most about it. Like everyone knows, Labor government spent. And I'm, I'm going to be upfront with you guys. I used to be a liberal man when I worked in the car industry and they supported big business and I worked for big businesses. I was a liberal guy. And now that I'm older and a little bit more mature, I ain't fucking anybody's guy. <laughs> I ain't liberal. I ain't labor. They're both corrupt. They're both scamming the They're public. They're in it for the wrong reasons. Absolutely. And I feel like most politicians get into it early on for the right reasons. But the only ones who rise to the top, just like watching House of Cards, is by doing shady deals along the way, and then people own you. And yeah. that's why we have yeah. the problems that we do. But the concern I've got about, like particularly in Queensland, we've got this Labor government that seems hell-bent on spending all their money on these renewable energy farms. And the, it's just another example of, okay, we're going to literally take all of your money and funnel it into investing in these infrastructures that, oh, who's going to be building them? Oh, it'll be the unions that then cycle that money back around, just like what's happening in Victoria. Well, a guy that I love having these conversations with, who will remain anonymous, Mm -hmm. did the sums in the UK, Mm -hmm. and he was able to calculate how much vacant land was available in the UK Mm -hmm. and worked out there there is a metric for how much rooftop is available. Mm -hmm. And if you used all of it, you can power for an entire year 1,000 homes. Yeah, right. And to put that in context, most like moderately sized uh, housing developments on the Gold Coast, like on that Northern Gold Coast corridor, Mm -hmm. are more than that. Yeah. That's using all the vacant land. Yeah, right. Now, I also have a friend in Canada that works, he used to work on the... um, he used to service the windmills, the big windmills. Yeah. He's like, these are an absolute nightmare. Piece right. of shit. He's mm-hmm. seen them, and he goes, they are dangerous. Yeah. The fires, have you ever seen yeah. them on fire? Yeah. Like, I'll take a coal plant over, yeah. over a flaming or a turbine. Plant. Yeah. Mm. Nuclear is the answer. It's Especially right when there. you think of it from a... So if you're talking about impact on the environment, what does need to be taken into consideration is the size of the site that you use to generate the power. Yeah. So if you're trying to generate the same amount of power that you could generate in a small-scale nuclear plant out of wind and solar, look at the amount of land you would need to use yeah. for wind and solar compared to a nuclear plant. Yeah. So to use that land for wind and solar, what do you have to do? Clear it. So we want to talk about how we're doing all this stuff for the good of the environment, yeah. and yet you're going to clear all the trees, all the native animals, like all all the things that we're trying to well, save. The fans aren't that intrusive. Solar is. You don't think so? No. Have you ever they... heard a wind farm? Yeah. You think any birds are going to be anywhere near that? Birds, bats, bees? No, that's true. That's true. They're super intrusive. There's also, I read a, uh, an article this week, there was a company, I can't remember where they were, but they've just created... Um, the ability to use the discarded nuclear waste yeah, to generate always. more energy. Yeah. Which is cause so that's what the way that That was the big criticism of nuclear, apart from the danger, which is overstated. Yeah. 
but the yeah, what do you do with it after the like uranium has depleted? Depleted the, the the radioactive materials we just bury and concrete over and wait a hundred years yeah. until they that's dissipated, then we dig it back up again. But they were able to use it, which is what Voyager spacecraft use. So they right. they they, use, they have chuck a nuclear isotope and a and a piece of uranium and mm-hmm. it just depletes over time and the energy that it gives off is enough to power it. That's yep. the technique they're using with the nuclear waste right. to then generate more. more so how is that for like renewable energy? Correct. It's renewable of renewable. Yep. Mark Andreessen it's said it really clean. well. It's clean. It's as clean as you can get. Yeah. Uh, Mark Andreessen, who is a big investment guy, uh, billionaire from uh, early, some early program, I can't remember what it is now. He says something really interesting. Mm. He's like, there's a race to cold fusion. Yep. Which is when two atoms go together and create an abundant amount of power. Mm. But nuclear fission, which we use now, is 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 ninety percent less effective. Right. But ten percent of the cost. Right. And ten percent of the effort. So he's like, well, do that nine times. Mm. And you, and you're there. And you're there. Do it yeah. ten times, and you've exceeded what that will do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we know we've got the technology. We there. know how to So do we it. could build ten nuclear facilities. Yeah. And be the same as what the first nuclear cold fusion fusion yeah. reactor is going to be. And from an economic sense, it makes sense. And there's a lot of talk about too these like now compact, self-contained nuclear power plants that you can basically build, and then when it's Pass its use by date. It literally self-contains itself. Yeah. So you, there's no issues with nuclear waste or yeah. anything like that. Like, and I want to say this too because this is what this is what I think will be the push, and this is the part that we really need to resist. There will be a push that we just need to reduce the amount of energy that we use. Yeah. Yep. But as a civilization, it makes no sense mm-hmm. to go backwards. Absolutely. We should be using. More yeah. and more and more mm-hmm. and more and more. And yes, we should get it from cleaner places. Yeah. And we will if our thirst for it is high enough, the investment is high enough. Yeah. If we if we uh but we, we need we cannot regress as a civilization. No, and you cannot tell me that in a country like Australia, we only have twenty six million people. You cannot tell me that we can't come up with enough power to be able to use as much as we like. Yeah. You can't tell me that. Yeah. Like, okay, we can do solar, we can do wind farms, we can do coal, we can do nuclear, we can do whatever. We've got a massive country with only 26 million people in it that we have to provide power to. Yeah. And you're telling me that we can't do it. But that, you're right, that's what we're hearing. Oh, like, they're, they're already starting to, again, see, condition, nudge. condition people, nudge people towards, oh, like, you know, we're going to have, oh, we might have brownouts. Oh, you can't all use your air conditioners during the day. And the biggest again, most insidious thing for me about stuff like the climate catastrophe and like what they did with COVID as well, they're basically saying the people now need to sacrifice however much. We've decided you need to sacrifice this much in your quality of life now for a perceived potential benefit in the future. Yeah. That is not a foregone conclusion. Yeah. Because as we've seen over the past 30, 40 years, every single time there's been a benchmark or a date or a time that we were supposed to go past some irreversible tipping point, it hasn't happened. Yeah. And yeah, okay, predictions might be better. But I joke about this all the time, about how like 
you know, how often do you look up, what's the weather going to be like today on your phone? And it goes, like, sunny, and then you walk outside and it rains half the day. Yeah. So they can't even get today fucking right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how are they supposed to get 100 years in the future right? Yeah. But it's, it, is, it literally is that thing of we get told, you guys have to sacrifice now for the future for a potential benefit that we have not been able to substantiate and we've been wrong every other time. And what's wild about that is that, well, you haven't even followed tried and true pathways to... That's to, right. Yeah, up to this point. So why do you think we would listen to what you yeah. think the potential is going to be for the future? And to give you another example of the bullshit rhetoric, 10 years ago, this quote from Dan Andrews, like, you know, all the floods down in Victoria. Mm. So this quote from Dan Andrews from 2012 just resurfaced where someone asked him at, an, at a press conference, because that was back when we were in an El Nino cycle. Mm. Uh, so someone asked him about building more dams because we need to have more water storage. And Dan Andrews goes, because of climate change, there literally won't be enough water to fill those dams. So what's the point of building them? <laughs> I would say that you need to send that to me. Oh, I'll find it. I'll send it to you. Yeah. There's a little a quote from him, 2012, because we were in drought. Yeah, because we were in an El Nino weather system. And then guess what happened? We've had three straight La Nina weather systems. So now we've got all this fucking water. Yeah. And instead of putting it in dams, which again is forward thinking. No, no, no. We're just flooding the cities. <laughs> and look, I've told you before why I think we're flooding and it's got nothing to do with El Nino or El Dito Nino Brown or mm-hmm. it's water saving shower heads. That did it. If we had water, if we, if we, I remember when they made us all change over, mm-hmm. then we started flooding. Yeah. Whereas before I used to have a shower, mm-hmm. had beautiful showers, big, thick, dense water yeah. hitting my, caressing my body, flush out down the drain. And then all the water's where it's supposed to be. As soon as we put that little thing in there and then made that st- sharp, piercing, needle-like water. <laughs> Look, floods everywhere. You, you are joking. Now we've got to move this more. You are joking. It's not the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> like, well, Queensland government literally just said that they announced they're going to be draining some of the water out of the dams, so they're draining them down to like 80%, so it doesn't flood, which is what was supposed to happen last time, but they fucked that up, and then, then it flooded sense. Brisbane, and no, they didn't compensate anyone for it, yeah. even though it was their mismanagement that caused the flooding. Yeah. But... Literally, if you just took off the water-saving shower heads. But also, have you noticed our, the price of water hasn't gone down? No. When we've had three straight La Nina and, like, you know, supply and demand is supposed to be how economics works, but the price of water hasn't gone down. Huh? You don't pay for water. That's what people don't understand. Water is free. Oh, you pay for the service? You pay for the transmission. You don't pay for the water. The water is free. Fair enough. There you go. And All on right. that note... We'll leave it there. Thanks very much for joining us, guys. We'll see you next week. Yeah. <laughs>